Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 262. My name's Adam Patterson. We're joined by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing okay. Just check out that eclipse, that big eclipse. Uh, no. No? I didn't. You were like, fuck that eclipse. I was working. You didn't, you mean you didn't leave the office to go see that eclipse? You weren't like, hang on a second, this watch can wait a second while I check out this eclipse. I didn't have the opportunity to do that. Plus, wow. I didn't have those glasses. I mean, I guess I could have sneaked a peek, did a quick glance. I, that's what I did. I didn't have the glasses either, and I went outside just because I happened to be free at the time. And I, I did a quick, like, up and down, like up and down, just super, <laughs> super quick. Did it work? Uh, I mean, not really. It was a little overcast in the city today, and <laughs> I was in a position where I could see the sun. But because I had to look so quick up and down. Yeah. 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 I didn't really get the full effect. I did watch a live stream of when it passed over uh, some places out west. I think it was Nashville I watched. It's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. This week on the show, we got two reviews lined up for you with Janixa Bravo's Lemon and Justin Chong's Gook. Feels weird saying that. Yeah, yes it does. Yeah. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, video on demand, and Blu-ray. Now, you might have heard at the top of the show, we always have our little Patreon plug. Uh, I thought that I would mention it now that we can do single donations through PayPal. So if you want to help support the site and the podcast, but you don't want to give a, a monthly contribution, if a dollar a month that you're just like, I don't want to commit to that monthly thing, totally understandable. Yeah. You can do a one-time donation. Just go to filmpulse.net right underneath where it has the Patreon thing. A little PayPal donate button. Just click on that one-time donation. You'll feel better about yourself. We'll feel better about you. It's a win-win. There you go. All right. And we'll be sure to thank you on the podcast and all of that stuff also for helping keep the site and the podcast alive. What do you want to start with? You want to start with Lemon? I feel like you want to start with Lemon. Why not? All right. So this is written and directed by Janixa Bravo. I have a synopsis here. A man watches his life unravel after he is left by his girlfriend of 10 years. This uh, stars Brett Gelman, uh, Judy Greer's in there, Michael Sarah, Gillian Jacobs, Jeff Garland, Megan Mullally's in there for a little bit. She's funny. John Daly. Yeah, Long. Got Neil Long showing up in there. Yep. Rhea Perlman. Fred, uh, Fred Melamed. There you go. I like to see John Daly in more roles. I'm pretty big fan of his and I'm really excited to see him be Bill Murray, be young Bill Murray in the National Lampoon movie. Ah. He's 
I just think that role is definitely gonna suit him, especially after seeing that uh, that show. I think it's called "I'm Dying Up Here." It's that show on Showtime about stand-up comedians in L.A. Okay. in the '70s. Yeah, he's in that one. Yeah, he's in that. Okay. All right. All right. So, Lemon. Uh, I saw a trailer for this. I've seen the marketing materials. I was pretty excited for it. I like this kind of absurdist comedy and i gotta say like the the trailer was definitely doing it for me it looked like my kind of awkward dry style of comedy so i was pretty excited for this going into it i like the aesthetic it had that kind of bland colorless you know drab aesthetic and i like all that (laughs) you know it had kind of a napoleon dynamite look to it i would say i think that that's a pretty apt comparison wouldn't you uh, as far as the color palette, maybe. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. No. <laughs> nah. Maybe. I don't know. It's been so long since I seen Napoleon Dynamite. I just so got I'm the. Gonna go, the I'm gonna go with it. Sure. Sure. I don't mean like specific. I just mean like kind of aesthetics. Anyway, <laughs> I was disappointed in Lemon. I'll throw that oh, out there. There you go. I was pretty disappointed in this one. There were there there certainly were moments that made me laugh. Uh, I liked the kind of the weirder moments, the moments that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but those were kind of sparse. And I think the big problem was the disconnect between the, the characters. Like I just, I couldn't really gel with any of the characters. And I thought that uh, Brett Gelman's character is, he's such a nothing of a protagonist that, I he wasn't interesting enough for me to enjoy him as like kind of a um an unlikable hero. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like he just he had so, so his personality was such a nothing personality that it was hard to really get behind him. Like well, and there's that there's that to start with where he has like the, this like nothing personality. He doesn't really have much going on. <clears throat> he's not really charismatic. He's not really funny. He's not really anything. He's just a deeply, deeply mediocre person. And like within, you know, a short amount of time, it, 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 he essentially turns out to be like a huge asshole. And you're just like, okay, well now I just, at least for me, I was just like, well, I don't care about this guy at all. I actually like outwardly hate him. Yeah, I don't, and I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care if bad things happen to him. I don't care if anything really. Ha- I just don't want to be around him at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's a thoroughly unenjoyable person to be around. And if you've ever seen Brett Gelman's characters on really, literally anything else he's ever done, <laughs> that that's that's his character. I'm yeah. pretty sure every movie that he's in, he plays the type of person that you just don't want to be around. <laughs> that's that's yeah. his type. You're just he like, is, uh, I mean, he's good at it. Oh yeah, but I don't know if that's the uh, you know the character that you want to get pigeonholed into. But then again, he's getting work, so I guess it's working out for him. Yeah, and I mean, this is a leading role for him too. I mean, before he was just kind of uh, you know side characters. He's in that that he was in that. Uh, Another period show. He he plays a really awful human being in another period, but he's really funny in it. I think he's less funny in this movie, but I feel like 
much so. He he's such he's such a cardboard box that you just don't really there's nothing there. Yeah. And it's really disappointing cuz I there's a scene towards the beginning where uh his girlfriend of 10 years whatever that's leaving him Judy Greer I, I guess she was talking about like something that she was reading and of course she's kind of going through what it is and he of course assumes that she's talking about the relationship she kind of points out to him you know it's it's not always about you and that's kind of like i wish this movie was that where it wasn't about him it was about everyone else because everyone else is so much more interesting and and even even if you don't know that much about just like the little snippet that you get to see of him you're like yep that person's definitely more interesting than isaac who's the main character that we have to spend all this time with. Yeah. I thought Michael Sarah's character of Alex was, <laughs> he, he played that, that <laughs> kind of role to such, he was so pitch perfect in that role. Yeah. Like, yeah. Michael Sarah is, is perfect in that, that type of like aspiring actor who just thinks he knows everything about the world. And I love how he just kept referencing all of the places that he's gone. And he's just such a, such a worldly individual. I love it. My two favorite parts were when he, when he would discuss his process and like the first, you know, he's like, I, 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 I use colors to get into my roles. And then the next time when he's talking about, I, I think of myself as an animal. Yeah, so, what do you go to like animal theory or something? Where he was each <laughs> each moment, he was a different animal. He's a he's a panther and a jaguar. Yes, he's such a ridiculous person in this. I love that hair too. Yes, that that helped too. That really helped sealed it. You know, really helped sell that comedy. Um, I yeah, I thought I thought Judy Greer was. Uh, she, she was good too. She wasn't in it a whole lot. She didn't, have, she didn't really have anything to do. No, she wasn't in it a whole lot. But I thought that one one they, so they they kind of go down in a slightly interesting path where he uh, who is Literally, yeah like the 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 final third when he starts dating right. Nia Cle- Long. Yeah, Cleo. Cleo is her name. Uh, Nia Long. She so I thought that that was going down interesting territory just to see because you know as soon as he as soon as she agrees to go out with him i'm like oh god this is going to be so awkward this is going to be really strange and awkward it's going to be so awful and we saw that in the trailer they showed a a good bit of that with the uh the like kind of reunion cookout thing that he goes to and that was a bit of a train wreck but i felt like they didn't really go anywhere with him kind of pursuing that relationship but also the big thing was i was like why would she ever in a million years agree to yeah. to go on a date with this guy? Like it wasn't like and, he swept her off his, off her feet. And it's, like you from the very beginning, he seemed like a creep. Like he was a, he was really creepy to her right from the beginning. Yeah. Like it makes sense. The first one where you're like, okay, she doesn't know, but now she knows. So you, I, I would imagine at that point in time, you would cut off all contact with this man. Yeah, I thought that was just strange. It just went it went in a weird direction. And then they just kind of dropped it after what happened at the cookout. I guess that was just the end of it. Yeah. But they didn't really pursue it any further. And then it's just him having to take a shit. Yep. And then it's over. <laughs> and then I it's see. over. 
Yeah, it just it did nothing for me. I liked Yeah, I, I liked the I thought that the scene the Passover scene was pretty funny. I thought there were some pretty funny moments in there. I like when the when the uh I guess it's his his sister in law mm-hmm. comes comes into the room and just dumps the glass of water in the trash can and leaves. It's just I liked that. I I enjoyed the uh Million Matzo ball, the way that she staged that where you know everyone's dancing and he's sitting it's him and his sister-in-law sitting up front mm-hmm. he's just mouthing the words with no emotion whatsoever and then she's just sitting there with her arms folded like this is the worst thing i've ever experienced in my life and yeah yet there's all this joy behind them <laughs> yeah i thought that there were a really there were a number of really good moments in that passover scene i thought just the i guess he was what is he of like a family friend that was Kept telling people about his divorce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Pamer. Yeah. Which I thought he was really good, too. I think him and Michael Sarah, to me, were the two best acting-wise out of everything. And, I mean, it's something that... I mean, it's not It's not all awful. It's just unfortunate that who the main character is and what the main character is. Right. Just... Uh, but, like, some of the, like, the actual direction, I enjoyed a decent amount of it. It's just, I wish it was a different movie that it was about something else entirely that we weren't doing this, you know, pathetic man can't get his life together. Can't be an adult, which I mean, I'm okay with that, but it's just, it was to me, there was just nothing there. Yeah, I agree. It didn't, it didn't, it felt so familiar. Like we were just, it's like, I've seen this movie before. I think think just with more energy. Right. What's and I think that's the big thing is this this character he's so flat he, and he has no personality whatsoever and you know these things are these bad things are happening to him but at the same time you know he's getting roles he's I mean it's maybe it's he's an actor should mention that but he's not maybe he's not getting the roles that he wants but it doesn't seem like he's putting forth a lot of effort to get out there and sell himself either yeah. but he's getting he's getting work you know that's Something can be said for that, but even when he does get a role or two, he has no emotion whatsoever. You know, when he when Jeff Garland plays his manager, when he when he calls and tells him like you got this part, they like you, they want you in, he's just like whatever. He doesn't care, doesn't care about yeah. anything. And I think the thing that really put me off. I mean, I wasn't really into his character at all to begin with, but then there's that where you know his girlfriend finally breaks up with him on the bed or whatever when their backs are to each other and he's just talking about like i could kill you yeah cut you up into tiny pieces and no one would care and it's just like wow you're psychotic too yeah but then he's he's like like, please don't leave me yeah and it's just like shut up like do we need another movie about these types of people yeah yeah uh i agree it was uh left it left definitely left me kind of wanting wanting more but i think it was it had its moments. I'd say that. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely did make me laugh um, a, a few times, more than a few times, because it goes to some pretty weird places. Some of the comedies kind of out there. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, man. I chuckled here and there. A little chortle, I chuckled maybe, maybe like three times. Got a couple chortles in there. Squeezed out three chortles. All right. Let's <laughs> yeah. give it a score. You, you now. I, you, I, what I want to do is when. 
when we get to the the year wrap up thing, I want to quiz you on this movie. Oh, I I guarantee you, I will not remember anything about this movie, except maybe what happens in the trailer because I think that those are some of the funniest moments. I'll probably remember those those bits, but that'll probably be it. Like Michael Sarah, I'll remember him and Gillian Jacobs and her character and how they just. They would just shit all over her and then like completely ignore her. I, lo- I loved all the interactions they had with her after the class, like on the street. <laughs> they mm-hmm. just acted like she wasn't even there. But that was that was it. Uh, so you have a review for this up on the site right now so people can read your, your full review. I'm going to give Lemon a 5 out of 10. I give it a, a 4. There you have it. Lemon... That is on VOD platforms right now, so you can check it out on VOD if you wish. Let's move on and talk about our next movie, Gook. This is written and directed by Justin Chan and also stars him. I have a synopsis here. Eli and Daniel, two Korean-American brothers, own a struggling shoe store and have an unlikely friendship with Camilla, a streetwise 11-year-old African-American girl. Camilla ditches school. Eli stresses about the store, and Daniel tries to have a good time. It's just another typical day at the store until the Rodney King verdict is read and riots break out. With the chaos moving towards them, the trio is forced to defend the store while contemplating the future of their own personal dreams and the true meaning of family. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What'd you think of Gook? Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I, for the most part, enjoyed this. Uh... I don't really have too many, you know, negative things to say about it. Uh, I, I'm kind of realizing something that I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker for films that do the the one day thing. Mm. You know, where it like starts off in the morning and it just follows one day. Sure. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm a sucker but for I, that I, too. I realized that while watching this movie. I'm also, I'm also a sucker for black and white. Which this yeah, movie, th- this movie is presented in black and white, and I think that it looks, it looks really good in black and white. It does. It does. I thought that was a good choice. So I like the the kind of intimate nature of this movie. It is framed around the L.A. riots in 1992, and it's it tells a very kind of intimate story within those riots. So like this shoe store, as I mentioned in the synopsis, it's kind of on the outskirts of that. The The shoe store is not located in South Central where the riots sort of broke out. It's it's on the, the periphery of that. But you do have these kind of mounting, um, this mounting strife in the surrounding communities and you see that kind of being, you see that the ripple effect that's happening because of that. So even though there's this large scale thing that's happening very close, this is a very, um, a a very specific thing that's happening within this larger thing that's happening. Yeah. Cause it almost seems as though the, the LA riots, it plays like an actual really, really small role in this. Like it's not, it's kind of just in the background. Well, I think it acts as a catalyst for what happens in this movie. So there was already tension between uh, Camilla's family, her 
specifically her brother, her older brother, and her sister, and the the shoe store, the the two brothers that worked at the shoe store. And yeah. this, so the tension was already there, and I think that the riots and everything that happened just kind of acted as a catalyst to make that tension grow larger to to hit sort of a tipping point. Which, I mean... Because in the end, it was used, they used that riot as an excuse to do what they did. Yeah. I mean, in, and it, you know, the main reason I pointed out is because from what I kind of, because I didn't read that much about this, but kind of going into this film, I thought that the, the riots were playing like an integral role in this, in this storyline. But for the most part, it, it's kind of just in the background. I mean, it doesn't really even show up in towards, you know, like, right halfway through the film but even then it's just kind of in the in the background a little bit except for when uh the one brother is kind of forced to go in mm -hmm. to the rides but even then he you know they just kind of it's yeah like it, it's funny he, he, he like doesn't even <laughs> like this, yeah. he steps like one foot over that line <laughs> to where they are and that's it <laughs> game over for him um, I think that that's another thing that can be said about this is that there is a surprising amount of comedy in it that I didn't really expect at all, especially considering the pretty serious subject matter that we're dealing with. And I think that that's, to me, for this film, I think that was the the number one thing about this positive is the way that he was able to handle that and the way that he was able to just like seamlessly transition to because it could be just full on having a good time comedic as all hell and then all of a sudden it is it's tense mm -hmm. and it shit gets real and it just it like flips on a dime like that which i thought that was really impressive to me especially like the one there's a sequence where camilla comes home and she's kind of like hanging with her brother and it's like the first time that you really see those two like kind of getting along and enjoying each other's company. And you're like, oh, this is nice. And then next thing you know, they are not enjoying the, each other's company whatsoever. And it just like flips in a second. Right. And that that segues into one of the kind of defining moments yeah. of the film. And it and it never feels forced. You know, that that transition from from the lighthearted comedy to, you know, the real racial issues that it's dealing with. It, it never once felt forced. Right. It just felt really natural. Right. Yeah. It never feels really out of place. It doesn't feel like shoehorned in. It doesn't feel like it's some sort of forced palate cleanser. It's, yeah. it's, it really is like these people, this is, this is their lives, you know, this is their day-to-day -day lives and they're just making the best of a pretty bad situation and yeah. they're, trying to stay as positive as they can, you know, as they, as they go through this. I like the way that, uh, the way that it started out with him getting the shoes and like, just, just, the, just the act of trying to get these shoes to sell, you know, and just the struggle it, because I think that it sets the tone for the kind of environment that these two brothers are living in. And I thought that the, looking at the the racial issues that were happening there during that time and I'm sure that those those types of issues are still happening in that area and they're completely removing the white people from the situation you know they're they're shining a light on the fact that there's other racial turmoil that's happening here that's not just black and white you know yeah 
So I appreciated yeah, I mean, looking at, looking at it from that angle as well. Really, the only thing for me that the only thing that felt slightly forced or heavy handed was some of the musical choices. I like the music. That, like, I see. I the like the the piano stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. They, yeah, they're, 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 like that stuff. Just that was the only time where I was like, uh, yeah, like you. I forgot you already about that. Have it. It's like you already got it. This is strong enough on its own. You don't need the piano. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. I was thinking about the kind of the the soundtrack stuff that they use. Like, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff's good. Because I thought like all of the kind of '90s hip hop and stuff that they incorporate into it, and some of the some of those tracks that they included, I was kind of surprised. Like, they got some pretty big songs in there, and this is this is a pretty small indie. So I was surprised to see that they were able to get the rights to use some of those songs. But I was happy because I thought that they they fit pretty well, and that's that's another thing. You know, this is a '90s movie, but it feels it doesn't feel like the time period is being forced upon you. You know, they're not slamming you with yeah, with yeah. all kinds of crazy. Hey, this is this happened in the '90s. Remember the '90s? Yeah. You know, they're not doing yeah, that kind of not, stuff either. It's not a constant, you know, nudge nudge. <laughs> you remember the '90s? <laughs> Isn't this shit hilarious? The nineties. Yeah, they don't they don't pry on any of that stuff. Thank goodness. Yeah. That would be insufferable. So this is they just got some pagers. Yeah, the pa- I, I like how they did the pager thing. I thought that was that was kind of cool. I did yeah. I was they, which is interesting to see, you know, because nowadays we see so much of like new tech showing up in films where you get like the text messages right. popping up on screen yeah. using the Twitter or whatever, and here to use you know, old tech like a page, like a page or a beeper in a film. I thought that was interesting. How you guys? Because I kind of did forget about like all the codes. The codes, yeah, yep, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I like I like how they did handle that, where uh, they would show the code and then have it change into you know the the actual what it meant. And I thought that was cool. That was a nice little yeah. nostalgia trip. I never had a pager, but yeah, I remember Ryan. Ryan had like twelve pagers. <laughs> I have one of the. I have one. One of those emergency pagers. Did you? Nope. I, mean, I never had one. Oh my god! It's such a. It's such a pain in the ass to be like out driving and get a page, and be like, "Fuck! I gotta find a phone." <laughs> and then you would like, and then you would always call, and it would never be like that important. Right. What do you want for it's dinner? Just, I drove out. Of my way. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I drove out of my way to find a phone, and it was for nothing. I thawed out the steak for dinner. <laughs> Make sure you're home by seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. So this is Justin Chan's second movie. I'm probably I, I'm kind of interested to check out his first movie now. He's been in a lot of stuff as far as acting roles. Yeah, I just noticed that. It's like I've, I've never heard of this guy, but he's done. He's got plenty of work. Oh yeah, he was in that Twenty One and Over movie. He was the he was the the guy like the main guy who was the passed out kid. <laughs> wow, I didn't see Twenty One and Over, but I, it's funny that that's he. That's, yeah, that's, that's him. Probably first introduced him. <laughs> well, it looks like he was in the Twilight movies. You didn't watch any of those. Well, no, but I'm just saying it. He's been in some big stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would say definitely check out Gook. It's it's well worth a watch. Oh yeah, this is playing in limited release right now. I do not think it is on VOD. 
I believe it is only playing in theaters currently. So if it's playing in your area, check your listings. Give it a look. It's definitely definitely worth a look. I have a feeling that this is one that's just going to slip by and people aren't going to really be talking about it. And I don't understand why. Because there was like last year a movie that I, that was it was different than this, but it, it did hold some of the same themes, and that's Kicks. And I was a huge supporter of that movie, and it just came and went. Nobody talked about it except me. I hope that that's not the same thing with this movie because I think that people should talk about this movie. It happens every year. Yeah, what was uh like Gimme the Loot? Or I guess people talked about Gimme the Loot. Yeah, but even then it's still Was it um Licks? Seems like it was that talked about more. Wasn't that was that one Licks that we saw it? Yeah. What what happened to that one? Nothing. It's crazy. Like I don't understand. There's these really great kind of urban set dramas that are coming out. Every year there's a couple of them and they just they nobody talks about them. What are you going to do? I don't know. All right, what are you going to give Gook out of 10? I'll give it a 7. I'm going to go with a I'm going to get a 7 7.5 on this one. Definitely definitely worth a look. Let's talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. I saw a bunch of stuff. We were off last week, so got a number of things that I could mention. I think I'll start it off with uh Make them quick. So, so Bushwick. Oh, okay. This comes out this this week, I believe. So keep an eye out on this one. This one is it's directed by the guys who did Cooties, and it's uh, an action movie. Basically, it's Red Dawn, set in Brooklyn. It's uh, it starts out with Brittany Snow and her boyfriend. They're in the subway. They're going to meet her grandmother i believe and they the subway platform it's like completely empty like the whole the whole station is deserted and they're like okay well that's weird they go up the stairs to leave the station and it's like a full-on war on the streets like there's people getting shot there's bombs there's explosives going off everywhere and they're like what the fuck is going on and basically Things go down. She ends up meeting up with Dave Batista, and he kind of protects her as they try to get to safety in the city that's been invaded. You come to find out, this is not a spoiler, uh, I think that it's like in the synopsis, that, the, that Texas secedes from the Union, and basically it's a second civil war. So like Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Kentucky, I think, some of the other southern states decide to remove themselves from the U.S. and try to invade. <laughs> they invade cities. Like, they go after Philly. They go after... Like, in New York, they... I think that they f- try to focus on Brooklyn first because they yeah. think that there's not going to be a heavy resistance. But... Makes sense. You know, those those southerners, they don't know. They don't know what it's, what it's like in New York, so... They don't know that Dave Batista. Yeah, they they know that New York. They, they don't know that New Yorkers aren't fucking around. That's right. So it's it's schmaltzy. It's cheesy. It's um it's done in a single take. So it's all like a, all one take. There's no cuts. I mean, there obviously there's tons of cuts, but they're all hidden. Um, mm-hmm. but it's presented as a real time thing. It mostly works. Uh, the The problem with that that I find is that you once you realize like okay this is that type of movie, 
uh, at least for me, I focus on spotting those hidden cuts and it, mm-hmm. and it slightly takes me out of that experience. Uh, but it does succeed in keeping the energy level very high. Uh, it's not a good movie. I'll say that right, right off the bat. It's not a great movie. There's some pretty bad dialogue in it and some ridiculous things happen. However, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought that it was like, it was very much like Red Dawn. It's cheesy and pretty poorly made, but very fun at the same time. And where they go with it, where how it ends, uh, obviously I'm not going to give anything away, but I was shocked and delighted by where they went with it in the ending. Like it wasn't anything that I expected at all. And uh, I, I definitely give them props for going where they did with it. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's uh, it's worth a look. There's some decent action in it. Nothing nothing amazing, but there's there's some pretty uh, fun visceral moments. So. I would I would recommend checking out Bushwick. I think it's going to get eviscerated by critics, but I I had fun with it. Yeah, all right. I have an action movie that I had fun with, and that's Bad Black. Oh yeah, from Nabwana IGG. Yeah, you told me about this, and I was like, Bad Black. I've heard of that, and then I looked at it on um, IMDb, and I saw it's one of those uh, what do they call it? Malal uh, Malawi Wood movies. Oh, in Wakali, Wakali, Wakali Wood. Yeah, yeah. The, in, um, yeah. It's like in Uganda? Is that where we're... Yeah. Filmed in the Uganda slums. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's a whole documentary about these guys. And these guys, and it's great because at the beginning they kind of, because I didn't really know about this. So in the beginning they kind of, like before the movie actually starts, they kind of show like behind the scenes of them like working on their movies and their green screens and their toy guns and everything. And you're just like, okay okay, this is going to be super low budget. This is going to be ridiculous. Because it's not, in a sense, like, okay, it's a low budget. Let's try and do what we can do, you know, work within. No, they're just like, we're going to do big time stunts without the money. Yeah. We'll just do it. Big action. (laughs) So they they have, like, cars ramming into other cars and flipping. But here they use, they'll use, uh, like, little models in front of a green screen so you can totally see that it's a fake car like it doesn't even look like even close it's like bird not even it's like birdemic levels right yeah but their energy and how much fun they're having is just like you don't care in a sense it makes it better really because you're just like i love it i just love it i love how they're trying to figure out how to do this in the way that they're doing it and the other thing that i thought like it starts out and there's a uh, I think his name is VJ Eddie. He's kind of like a DJ throughout the entire movie. Now, in the beginning, I just thought it was going to be like, he's just here to introduce us. He's introducing the main character. And he's talking about how he's the Ugandan Schwarzenegger and doing all this stuff. And I was like, okay. And then he's probably he's probably not going to do that throughout the entire film. That would, that would be different. That would be weird. But no, he's there the entire time. He is commenting the entire time on what's going on he even like there'll be characters and he'll just he'll say stuff for them <laughs> like just lines like <laughs> it's just he's a running color commentary while the film is playing and it actually makes it so much better because he is funny and it is ridiculous and is i've never seen anything like it it's one of the where it's so bad that it's good but not in 
the normal traditional sense where you're just like, okay, these guys are just absolutely terrible. And this is funny at how bad they are. It's just, these guys are doing the best they can. And it's just a great time. It's just so much fun. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would, yeah, definitely check out what these guys are doing. Cause it's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's, it's, oh my goodness. It's so great. And that's bad black. Uh, Let's see. I saw Ingrid Goes West. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. This is directed by Matt Spicer. Uh, he previously did It's Not You, It's Me, which I didn't see. But Ingrid Goes West, I had very high hopes for. It's another one of these movies that kind of takes the piss out of uh, millennials, basically. And mm-hmm. people that who are obsessed with people on Instagram, like, like social media and what social media can do to someone. Um, especially if social media gets in the hands of someone who is mentally unstable in the case of this, this movie, Aubrey Plaza plays this girl who becomes obsessed with Elizabeth Olsen, who is this, she's basically one of these people that's paid to be on Instagram. She, she, people pay her to take pictures and post them on Instagram. And she devises this plan to go out to L.A. and meet her and force her to become friends with her. It all goes terribly wrong. And it's there's there's there are a lot of funny moments to it, but I just ended up feeling a little blah about it. A little meh. Mm. It was uh, so it was a little disappointing. O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s in it and he is probably my favorite character in the movie. He's fantastic. He, he plays, um, Ingrid's landlord slash neighbor. And he's like obsessed with Batman. He's an aspiring screenwriter and he wants to write the next Batman. So like he's completely obsessed with Batman and, uh, Elizabeth Olsen's great too. She, she does a really good job of portraying one of these Instagram famous people. And she doesn't do it in a really kind of annoying, overt, satirical way. She does it in just this kind of really low-key, natural way. And she, so she's fantastic in it. Wyatt Russell plays uh, her husband, Elizabeth Olsen's husband. He's everywhere these days, and I'm glad. I, I want to see more of Wyatt Russell because he's awesome. He doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie, but it's, it's enough to, for, for me to be like, yes. More Wyatt Russell in everything. I felt I started feeling that way after he was in Everybody Wants Some. When I was like, this this guy's gonna he's going places that uh, Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's just it left me feeling a little bit meh. Unfortunately, I did fall asleep at one point in the screening, yeah. so I may have missed something. Uh, from what I understand, it was a very brief amount of time. And I was filled in on, I think what happened when I dozed off. But yeah, that's why I'm not. That's why I'm not doing any kind of like full review or anything. Cause that, that wouldn't be fair. But Ingrid Goes West, that's in theaters right now. Uh, I watched one other one that was Colossal. Ah. Finally got around to checking out Colossal. Uh, the first thing that I'm kind of confused on, just the cursory glance through reviews and such on Letterboxd and whatnot. And everyone's kind of like, you know, oh, does it hurt? The kaiju thing doesn't really work for alcoholism, which I'm 
like the kaiju had nothing to do with their alcohol problem. Like, why are people thinking that the kaiju is because of her alcohol, because of her drinking? Because it's clearly not about that. I never, I never thought it was. What, what people are saying that the monster came because yeah of it? it's like a, it's it's like a stand-in for her for her drinking problem where it's not about that at all i never i never really thought of especially when you bring in this character <laughs> i mean they pretty much explain it like full on i mean they're not it's not ambiguous at all anyways i just said that, that kind of surprised okay me. so what'd you um, think of the movie Despite despite your was... criticism of people's criticism, what would you think of the actual movie? What did Kevin think here? I I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a stretch with the whole like what happens with the the lightning strike, you know that portion of it. I thought that was a bit ridiculous. But at that point in time, you're kind of like you're already you're either in with it being ridiculous or you're not. So when it comes to that point, it's. You know, you're already, you're either already bought in or you're not, which you probably don't make it to that point if you're not bought in by that time. So I thought that was a bit of a stretch, but I thought it really did work great with uh, Sudeikis' character because I didn't really see that coming and the way that they handled that. Yeah, that's a huge surprise. From that that point on, I thought was just, I thought it was perfect. The way it's kind of like this, the whole, the nice guy, abusive type thing where you know what people see because they can always put on a front yeah that's that's what made the movie for me honestly was where they went with sudeikis's character and the relationship that he had with anne hathaway and the other thing which i thought was subtle but worked really well with like how abusive relationships work is where when they go the one time and anne hathaway you know her kaiju gets the shit kicked out of her right and you know that the other friends or whatever are watching it or going to see it on TV or whatever, and no one does anything. But they know what those two kaijus, what that represents, right. right? But they do absolutely nothing. They just go to different bars. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's the certain amount of like the friends that are complicit in what's yeah. going on. They know, but they're yeah. complicit. Yeah, they don't do anything. I also just like the scene at the towards the beginning when she goes to sleep on the air mattress and wakes up the next day and it's completely deflated <laughs> because that's what we all have to go through when it comes to air mattresses. Plus I was just, I kept, and I, I did like how it kind of came back. Cause at first I was like, why is she with this, the, the Dan Stevens character? Like this guy is such an asshole. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Right. Yeah. And then he kind of, you know, it kind of makes sense later yep. on. Yeah, Absolutely. So I thought I, I was I I quite enjoyed it. I I mean I thought going into it I was like I I'll probably I'll probably have fun with this. I don't I don't think I probably won't find it anything too special, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think this uh, this definitely landed on my I'm pretty sure it was on my mid year top ten. I I thought it was fantastic. So I was it would have been on mine if if I got it in beforehand. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great movies on the horizon too. Um, one one movie that I was pretty excited for that I saw this week was Patty Cakes, and uh, I I quite enjoyed it. This is uh-huh. uh, directed by Jeremy Jasper. Basically, it's about a, a young woman in New Jersey who is an aspiring rapper, 
and she's just she's trying to make ends meet. She has a sick grandmother, um, and her mom. She's she and her mom are really they're just working. They got tons of medical bills they got to deal with. They got rent. They got all this stuff, and so she's just working her ass off. Meanwhile, trying to uh, make a demo to try to get it out there and get her her rap career started, and it follows a lot of typical conventions. I mean, you know, very quickly, I'd say within the first 20 minutes of this movie, you know every beat that's going to take place. You know exactly where it's going. You know what's going to happen. So I think for a lot of people, that may be that may be a negative. For me, it didn't really matter because I had such a fun time going through the journey of her. Like, I, I really wanted to see her succeed in this, in this rap career. And I thought that, the, that all the performances were so good. Uh, Danielle McDonald, she's, she's the actress that plays Patty. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Bridget Everett. She's, uh, she's, she plays the mom. She's on, um, she's a comedian. She's a stand-up comic. She's on uh, Amy Schumer's show, Inside Amy Schumer. Yeah. But she's also yeah. on uh, like Lady Dynamite. She she's like has a recurring uh, role on that. On that, she's great, and she's great. Yeah. She's great in this too. And Kathy Moriarty plays uh, the the grandmother, and she's awesome as well. She's always awesome though. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it, I thought that they did a lot of really interesting things. It does it does get uh, there's like some kind of fantasy elements. So there's some fun visual things that happen too. like every now and then we go into Patty's mind and we kind of see what she's sort of fantasizing about. So it goes to some kind of fun, surreal places. Uh, it was really funny. It was really heartfelt. Just know that you're going to be able to predict everything that happens in this movie from start to finish. Like, cause it, it is mm-hmm. very uh, like a very standard kind of underdog story. Gotcha. But the music's really good too. Like that's the other thing is uh, the the music is excellent, which definitely helps it. She's really talented. Yeah, I would imagine that it kind of hinges on that. Yeah, absolutely. If that music was insufferable, you it would be. Yeah, she ends up she ends up hooking up with this this like sort of producer guy. He's like this really weird uh, like satanic. DJ who makes this kind of like grun grungy noise stuff, this like industrial noise stuff, and gets him to be like the producer, and he's he's awesome too. So Patty Cakes definitely would recommend that. That's playing in theaters now, limited release. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Oh Anything else to add? I'm done. All right. Uh, I'll just briefly mention that I saw Baywatch. Why did you do that? Were you clean? I saw no. Uh-huh. Actually, my my wife put it on because we were just killing time, and yeah. so she, she put she put it on. And I ended up watching it. So this was one of two mo- two comedies I saw in the last two weeks that I was really disappointed with. I saw Baywatch and How to Be a Latin Lover. Mm-hmm. I thought How to Be a Latin Lover was a little bit better than Baywatch because uh, it it that was more of a surprise to me. Like I didn't really. Like, to me, that I had no interest in that movie whatsoever. Yeah. I didn't really know anything about it. It looked stupid. I thought that the posters were stupid. And it, that one actually made me laugh more than Baywatch. Baywatch is 
absolutely awful. It's atrocious. It's like everything that's wrong with comedy nowadays. Like they, they took the 21 Jump Street formula and tried to stick it on Baywatch, but it did not work at all. Like all the jokes, almost all the jokes fall flat. There's this just super lowbrow stuff. Like the one guy... Like if you look at like on Letterboxd, you have that one guy who's like clearly doesn't fit in with the rest of them because they're all like, you know, perfect, perfect yeah. specimens. And then you have this kind of frumpy guy who's like he's like the tech guy. He's the IT guy who somehow oh, gets on the team just because yeah, he's it's... dedicated. He's just so dedicated. They let him on the team. And there's a scene like where he gets his dick caught in a like in a chase lounge. And it's this whole thing where his dick is caught in the, the wooden slats on a chase lounge. And it's just, it goes on forever. And you're just like, what is happening here? It's, yeah, that sounds terrible. it is so bad. It's really probably one of the worst movies I've seen this year. And it's like two hours long too. It, it's like, why, why is this movie so long? And it's so dumb. Like the, the plot is just, it's ridiculous. And and uh, there were a few times where I was thinking like is this all just kind of spoofing the TV show? But if it's spoofing the TV show, they're they're taking this narrative they're, they're taking it too earnestly. Like they're taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't feel like a spoof. It just feels like it's bad, like the show. But uh yeah, Baywatch, avoid avoid all right, let's talk about some new releases. What do we got coming out in theaters this week? Got Crown Heights. I think that's actually playing now in New York. All right. Uh, pretty interested in this one. This is the one with Lakeith Stanfield, who's another guy that I feel like is blowing up. But well, he needs to blow. I think well, we. I think we predicted that this guy was going to be blowing up. We were like, this guy. It's- this guy's going places. Uh, anyway, this is a, I believe a true story about, um, a man who was wrongfully imprisoned for like 20 years or something. So it, it looks pretty, pretty powerful. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, Leap comes out. This is an animated movie. Uh, we actually went to a press screening for this. Um, Mary went to a press screening and said it was awful. So doesn't look very good <laughs> to me anyway. Birth of the Dragon. This is the Bruce Lee biopic. Yeah, I'll give it a look. It looks bad. Like I, I think that that's not going to be very good. No, I doubt it. Beach Rats. Uh, this is this is definitely one that's in my wheelhouse for sure. Interested in this one as well. I, I'm pretty excited about this one. Tulip Fever. Uh, not too familiar with that one. Six Days. Clash. England is mine. The Villainous. Uh, actually, just finished the villainous today uh i'll talk more about it next week but that's a uh, korean action movie very much in the the same vein of the raid so it's got crazy okay. intense action so yeah keep a lookout for that one bushwick as i mentioned previously worth a look unleashed that's a uh, romantic comedy and red christmas which is a horror movie with um D. Wallace, I believe. Okay. I'll probably give that a look. Looks like it could be fun. VOD this week. Let's see. We got The Domicile. Ooh, okay. Yeah. The Domicile coming out Tuesday. 
On the oh. 24th, we have a movie called Rememory, mm. starring Peter Dinklage. It's a sci-fi movie, I think. Okay. And then on the 25th, we have Unleashed, Bushwick, and The Evil. No, I'm sorry. We do not have The Evil in us. That's next That's next week. Oh. Uh, what we got on Blu-ray this week? August 22nd, we got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's certainly worth a look if you haven't seen that yet. Got Society from 1989. I feel like they just keep re-releasing this one. Mm-hmm. This is the Steelbook version. Nice. So it's got a really cool... I mean, the Steelbook for it's pretty cool. I'm guessing that the Blu-ray that's contained within the Steelbook is the one that was released a couple months back. We got Barton Fink from 1991. Coen Brothers. Got a Whale Rider from 2002 coming out on blue. Mm. Ash vs. Evil Dead, the complete second season. Should have a review for that up this week. I got a copy of that in. Have not gone through it yet. When it was airing, I watched like the first maybe three episodes, but then I kind of fell off, so got to finish that one up. We talked about it before. Netflix is starting to release their um, Marvel series on Blu-ray, and this week... We get uh, Jessica Jones, the complete first season, and Daredevil, the complete second season. The Daredevil cover looks awesome, by the way. Uh, I would say the Daredevil season two is still the best of all of the Netflix Marvel stuff. I didn't mention it, but I saw The Defenders, which is, that came out this this past weekend. What a disappointment. It's garbage. What a disappointment. I don't know. I just feel like they really dropped the ball. I was so amped up for that. And it had its moments, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it was Iron Fist. <laughs> like Iron Fist and all of the characters that are associated with Iron Fist that, that kind of brought the Defenders down. Because yeah. anytime they would do like the Jessica Jones stuff or the, the Luke Cage stuff, it was, it was cool. There was a really cool fight scene that was set to Wu-Tang, so I appreciated that. And there was uh, another fight scene that I believe was set to Run the Jewels, so that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I have those albums, so I can just listen to those songs. Yeah, but you can't see the fight scene that goes along with it. The, I, the, I the mediocrely choreographed fight scene that's set in a room that's way too dark and a camera that's way too shaky. Oh, man. Yeah. I, when, it's funny because you, you say the Defenders and you'd say, you just give me a little bit of clues. But in my head, that's exactly what I saw. Mm-hmm. As like exactly how they did it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the best part about the Defenders is at the very end, they gave you a little teaser for the Punisher series that's going to be coming out. That was like the best part. That that got me more excited about everything that I watched in eight episodes of the Defenders. Oh, God. Um, finally, Arrow is releasing The Slayer from 1982. I'm kind of interested in that. Okay. What do we have in the old Criterion front this week? Uh, we got Alex Cox's uh, Sid and Nancy from 1986 coming out there on the blu-ray and then uh Sasha Gustry's uh La Poison from 1951 coming out on blu-ray the the La Poison will actually be on uh iTunes as well hmm. I was a big fan of Sid and Nancy Gary Oldman what a role what a role I, I it's been ages since I've seen Sid and Nancy I don't remember anything well, maybe you need to revisit it's got a really cool <laughs> so, many, so many movies that I just I don't remember at all oh well it happens to me too all the time. 
I'm struggling to remember scenes in Lemon. And I watched that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber or you can hit that donate button on our site at filmpulse.net. Make a one-time donation. Buck. Buck helps. Uh, for Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>